Hello troops, Tomo here, getting ready for the next episode of the Granite Zero podcast. But before I do that, if you are like me and you suffer from depression, anxiety, stresses, all those type of things, there's lots of different ways that you can get through it. One of which is CBD. And I'm a firm believer that CBD oil works wonders for those types of issues with your mental health. And alongside me, you have a brilliant company. Friends of the show that help and support the show in any way, which way they can. And that is Infusion CBD. Go and check them out. That is Infusion CBD. And hit up their products, which I use personally. Also, what I believe is fitness helps with all kinds of stress, all kinds of anxiety issues, mental health issues. Go to the gym, put some discipline in your life. But you're saying to me, Tomo, mate, I need some sports supplements. Well, go up and hit my friends at Combat Fuel. Not only are they veteran-owned, veteran-run, but they give their proceeds to charity. And not only is it some of the best-tasting alley-as-fuck products, but they also helped design the Granite Zero t-shirt. So that is limited edition, by the way. But you're saying, Tom O'May, I need a little bit of extra encouragement when it comes to that. How about 15% off? Put in the promo code WARRIOR15. That's WARRIOR15 at checkout. Get yourself 15% off. And you're saying, Tom O'May, how do you have all this energy when you're doing a podcast? The best podcast out there at the minute. And I say, I am fueled on coffee. Veteran-owned, veteran-run coffee. Some of the best coffee you'll ever taste. And you're saying, Tomo, mate, what's so different about it? Well, it is ground to your specific taste. And it is roast to order, which means you decide what you want. That is the Dead Mammoth Coffee Company. Check them out. But this... Episode of the Granite Zero podcast is a special edition. Not only is my next guest a former veteran of the USMC, not only has she done three tours of duty to Iraq, she is also a UFC. Top contender. And what did, what was that? Top contender. She fought for the title twice. And was the first woman to step foot in the octagon against Ronda Rousey. That is Liz Gorilla Carmouche. Welcome to the show. Hello, Charlie, Charlie One. This is Granite Zero. That on? Sweet. Right. Let me just sort this out quickly before I forget. I did a guess the other week and I forgot to press record. Podcast like thirty minutes. It's like actually you're just a whole podcast. Never <laughs> yeah. Oh, I said it on my la- my on last week's podcast. I had um, Mason Jones on who fights in Cage Warriors. And I was uh, telling him about how many times I've come into the shed, which is where I've recorded from my shed in my garden, and um, I've been, I've done an hour and a half just talking to myself. That's how I started off the podcast and. Um, my wife would phone me up and then it would be gone. He's like, ah, best be, be start that again. <laughs> but for, first of all, I, lo- I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. You know, I thought, oh, you. you know, just p- pinging it out there. I was like, let's, let's see if I can get 
a big name out there, see if anyone's going to hit up. And then, why not better than ask a former US Marine to come on the show? And I thought I'd wear one of the shirts as well. Nice. Yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. So, what, what's it? What's in the pipeline at the minute? I, I, I saw some bad news the other day. Is that is that all true that they've released you? Or it is, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really consider it bad news. I mean, it's opening up a lot more opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And and word got out about it. I was getting phone calls from my manager, from PFL, from One, from Risen about opportunities. So it. It's giving me a lot more options available. I mean, when the Reebok deal, deal happened at UFC, all of the UFC fighters that were on the roster, we all lost our sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely. We had these deals that have been going on for years that, to be honest, most of us supplement our income and that really support us financially for the sponsorships, not our fight money. And when we lost out on that, I know one of the fighters, he's making 200000 a year in sponsorship. And then went down to twenty five hundred dollars a year. That's, like, a, that's, not, that's, that's <laughs> not a small bit of change. That that's that's huge. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's good news and also uh, fight frequency is I've been begging the UFC every year and I only get one to two fights a year, regardless of how often I ask for it or how many times I, I take short notice fights. And so I actually have have an opportunity to get more fights than just one or two year. Well, yeah, that, that that's what you want. You want to stay active as much as you can. You know, you wanna yes. You want to stay relevant as well, and it, I think I think personally, it's their loss. You're you're a way up there, what a top five up there, and it's just madness. You were, you were doing a um a, pre a press tour thing as well, weren't you for him? And yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, oh. I had just come from uh, from an event for them with some some of the people from the FDPR team. And we just gone to a hospital. The head of the hospital walked us out just saying how that's probably the best that they've had about anybody coming out to help support them and just talk to the people that were going through chemotherapy and children. And they walk, they escort us out telling us that. And then I get the phone call from my management as I'm in the vehicle like, this is a little bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> that can be more awkward. You can be like, ah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I ain't doing it anymore. But, yeah, like, like, like you said, when one door closes, another one opens and... You know, get getting your spot, your proper sponsors back on your shorts, on your on your walkout flag, all that sort of thing. It's gonna make a huge difference. And I, I can't really say that I'm too up on on sponsorships and things like that. But I, I listened to obviously the fighter and the kid and below the belt with Brendan Sharp, and he was a big advocate for you guys to get get those sponsors. It's, it it was killing the fighters because you guys are the talent at the end of the day. You're, you're the ones that put the, the asses in the seats, as they say. So, it's like, come on. Pay, pay the fighters, you know. you got the people sitting in the boardrooms. They're not getting punched in the face for a living, are they? Yeah, but, I mean, that just reminds me of the military days. It's the people that, uh, I mean, you can serve four years in the Senate and have life taken care of after that. You yeah. collect your salary every single month. I do five years in the Marine Corps and optionally go out to Iraq for my third tour and nothing comes of that. I yeah. mean, I can't so much as go on base, I can't, you lose all the <laughs> Yeah, well, well, it's the same over over here as well. You get the, the politicians and that that have got their nice little nest egg and then you've you've still got veterans that are, are sleeping rough and it's like, you're going you're gonna to help those guys out or what? And, and the lack of support, because the, the reason why I started uh, the Granite Zero podcast was to help me deal with my own mental problems, problems, issues, whatever you want to call it, suffering from depressions and things like that. And the, and the, the lack of support from, from well, I don't, don't really want to throw them under the bus, but from, from the military itself, it's like, they're all about putting up the little posts every now and then, the time to talk campaign and things like that. It's like, okay, you do that once a year. You're gonna do any more yeah. for that, or or not bother? It's, there's loads of different things. It's like it's just madness, but it's just the way it is these days, isn't it? Fortunately. <laughs> yeah. So so what so what have you been up to today? You been in a gym or? Standard. Uh, I have a soon-to-be four-year-old, so oh, yeah. I'm ready for school. 
then I jet off to the gym, put in a few hours with a few different trainers working on Muay Thai and, uh, and some different striking techniques. Oh, and then good. jet off to school, pick him up, bring him back here, and let him ensue the madness of the puppies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my, my, my daughter's uh, eight and five, so I know, I know that all too well. <laughs> yeah, my little monsters that I call them. I should say angels being this close to Christmas, but <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> they've got they've yeah, got their dad. When it comes to that naughty nice list, they oh. want to push it. Well, what exactly? I mean, how far <laughs> push things to not be naughty? Yeah, well, we, yeah, we had it the other day. So they were um, they were they were giving me and the missus a bit of a bit of attitude, and they were fighting constantly, as girls do, sisters especially, and um. I literally went, what, what's coming up soon? And they were like, Christmas. I went, oh, so do you want your presents or do you just want a lump of coal? And they were like, uh, I, don't, I don't want a lump of coal. I went, well, keep going and you're going to lose your presents, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I picked my son from school and the first thing he says is, Mommy, did you get me anything special? I'm like, what? Hello? <laughs> I just saw you. Like, dude, we're a week away from Christmas and your birthday. <laughs> no, you're not getting <laughs> yeah, you. Hey, just chill. <laughs> yeah, mine are the same. So it's like, oh, we've got we've got our pocket money. Can we go to the toy shop? Definitely not. Absolutely not. It's Christmas. You loon. <laughs> they're just they're just mad. I wouldn't change them though. Wouldn't change them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I like to reach out to fighters in particular on the show is I believe that fighters have got well well, not just fighters I would say athletes in general have got a completely different mindset to regular humans (laughs) if you you want to say that because you get you get all those different setbacks in life and it's the way you deal with them and I believe that fighters especially you know one minute you're on top of the top of the pile, the next minute you've had a loss, two losses, and you're like, oh, now now what? And you have to try and get a grip of it, as it were. Do you have any like special ways that you keep yourself focused and things like that? Um, I think one of the ways that I'm able to combat kind of the lethargic stage that can occur either before or after a fight. I mean, you know. One of the, the things I enjoy about having a high fight frequency is that then you always have a reason to be in the gym and you're always goal-oriented and it never allows you to fall back. I mean, one of the things I hold on to is that I always want to grow and evolve. So even if I want to take that time off, somebody else could be preparing, somebody else could be putting in the work. And one of the things that helps that is having a gym full of other fighters where it's like, okay, well, even if I don't have a fight coming up, they have a fight, let me prepare and help them. Let me mimic their fight, their opponents to help them get ready. And in turn, by mimicking different styles and seeing different reactions, it only opens up your mind that much more to the things that you can evolve for yourself. And I think that that's really what allows me um, to not fall into the, well, it's the holidays, and I don't have to today. I'll just go ahead and do I have to put in two hours today? Nah, I can just, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, like Alima's in, in fight camp, and she fights this, uh, next weekend. So, of course, like, okay, we'll take this time off. And she gets a phone call, like, hey, everybody else who did come to Thanksgiving. I'm like, all right, I'll be there. <laughs> so, you know, on the days where you to take off, you, you can't because yeah. you want to support providers and make sure that they're as successful as possible. And I think not only thinking about my own agenda and my own, own goals, but also thinking about the people around me and how I can help them keeps me in there at all times. So I'm in there 24-7, 356 days a year. Yeah, well, that's the best way to be, and I, I think you've also got that extra something different where you've got that military background as well. So it's you get instilled in the Marines, especially in my regiment as well, to train hard to fight easy. So you've got to put the time and the effort in into training for it. Otherwise, God knows what'll happen once you get out into a war zone or even out into into a steel cage. So. It's, it's, it's the way it's got to be, I think. And I agree. And I, I also totally believe in the in the fitness itself. Where, where to a lot of people that listen to this, uh, avid gym goers and things like that, I believe that helps to put a positive mind mindset on things as well. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, you gotta 
love what you do. If you're only in it and you treat every fight as just as a job, then you're only going to be in those moments and in those fight camps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the issues that I have that um, I think myself more than other female fighters is because I stay in the gym, I can taste, take class medical calls because I stay ready. And it's just little modifications to that particular point. I mean, I've taken fights on a short of 90 notice. So. That is. That. <laughs> always like, fight ready. Somebody just fell out. Do you want to fight for the belt? No big deal. Yeah. In nine days. So, yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah, why not? We'll, we'll, we'll give another go at that belt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, I was proper fanboying it up, actually. I was watching the countdown show. Literally, before I saw your message saying, do you fancy doing it tonight instead? I was like, sure. I was upstairs. I was literally watching the countdown show for your uh, fight against Ronda. And I was like, I bet I better gen myself up on this. So I got to... Like go back to go back to different things, see see the backgrounds and all that sort of thing. I didn't want to come in like not knowing anything about you, so I thought. Wow. But the thing is, I even put it on the uh, the actual post that I put on social media. I remember watching that fight with a load of Marines in I think you guys called it Camp Leatherneck, uh, which is our version. Of, our version was Camp Bastion. So I was I was in the command center. It was my last tour of duty. I was on the radios. And I, I remember, he, he does listen, so Sergeant Gammons was there in front of me. He's a big, big black um, U.S. Marine, basically. <laughs> and, I had the, uh, and I had Sergeant Metzger next to me as well. He was your typical geezer from Oklahoma who kept shouting kill every time anything was happening. Oh, I No word of a lie, I had the best time on that tour they, those guys made it for me and the, the, the banter that you have between Brits and, and the Americans especially with the, the Marines was was amazing and watching watching you almost I was, we were all gutted almost put Ronda away with that rear naked they, they were all up they were shouting the fucking whole command center was rocking with and she's going to do it but unfortunately it's a shame really Almost. Oh, <laughs> Life's a game of inches. How did you pick yourself up after after that loss? It must have been a tough one. Uh, it was a tough one, and I think more so because uh, my family had never been or seen one of my fights before. Oh. Uh, my mom, yeah, my mom was aunt is big. You know, she was in the Vietnam era. She was there. Oh. Sorry about that. Is that working out? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Technical difficulties. He's a candy striper welcoming back the, the troops and watching all the the negativity that came back between being spit on, between being cursed, families that turned their backs on them. And she didn't want me to endure that in the Marine Corps. And I tell her that the climate that we were in now is completely different than Vietnam. And I'm like, but unfortunately I'm going to go to the Marine Corps. She's like, of all branches, please not the Marine Corps. And uh, so, you know, not, she's like, look, I support you, I support the troops. I just don't think that uh, we can finish anything and, and really solve anything. And, uh, you know, I agreed with her, but I was like, you know, but I, there are things that I want to achieve and things that I want to change as far as the perspective on females, and I think I can do that in the Marine Corps. And then I get out of the Marine Corps, and I'm like, hey, so I started getting into martial arts. She's like, oh, that's <laughs> great, that's like perfect. You know, like, yeah, you know. You know, just do a little bit cage fight. She's like, cage fight. I'm like, oh, it incorporates all the martial arts together. She's like, that's great. That's like perfect for your attention span. <laughs> and yeah. One night, looked it up, and we were in different time zones. She was living in Okinawa, Japan at the time, and I was in uh, San Diego. I get a phone call in the middle of the night, about, I think like 2 or 3 a.m. Are you kidding me? Cage fighting? I'm like, what? what? I just, you, you woke me up. What's going on? Uh, so she's like, look. I, I would call her at the end of every fight. Hey, mom, just want to let you know, you know, I'm unharmed, totally fine. I, I, I finished my opponent. She's like, that's somebody else's daughter. <laughs> Can't win. So she's never watched it. She's always supported. She's like, I'm just going to read it on Twitter because they do a play-by-play. -play. Yeah, yeah. I've watched it. It's just too difficult for it. And then my sister just uh, didn't really watch it until after just because she wasn't able to, to view it. Yeah, yeah. But the run in the fight was the first time I actually had them out there. So there's a new pressure having my family out there. And difficult for them to see, and of course they've never been in that environment, so they don't know what to say after the fight. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, what do we? You know, like, guess don't say anything. Let's just move on. Yeah. And the most difficult thing being is that I was so used to it at that point in my career 
that win or lose, I was back in the gym on Monday. It didn't matter. And that was the first time yeah. that I wasn't there because I had family and I was showing them around. I finally had a few days off. So that was really difficult for me because the only thing I wanted to do was get right back to the grind and fix every mistake that I saw I made in yeah, yeah. and trying to and I had to just really all of my own thoughts and my emotions and normally I didn't have to. I'm like, cool, I just get right back on the grind, I don't have to think about anything, just fix everything. So I really actually just sit there and mull it over and that was Yeah, really that's gotta be the worst thing. I don't wanna talk about this, I wanna go and punch someone else in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. So, I I had a similar thing, but it was a, on a a lot lower scale. Clearly, before anyone gives me shit on fucking Instagram and that now, when I say this, clearly Liz was fighting Ronda Rousey in front of thousands of people for the title. Mine was a charity boxing match in front of about two thousand people, but still. Um, previously, I, I'd fought uh, for the Air Force in a boxing match, and I was. I was thrown into it on short notice where I wasn't in any particular fight shape at all. I was a, I, I was a tiny little blob. I'm probably about the same sort of height as you and I was weighing close to heavyweight in amateur boxing terms. And they basically told me if I didn't fight then I'd be putting the, the, <laughs> the regiment down, I'd be putting the squadron down. I was like, oh, well, I better do it. I ended up fighting a... Um, a lad from the it was the Olympic gym in Manchester that I ended up fighting, and I was doing all right up until the end of the second round where he caught me and my legs went stiff, and I was like, oh no, I'm out. So I had a point to prove, and I I went into a proper, I well I would say a proper fight camp. I was I was cutting weight, I was training every day two three times, I was getting my brother's uh, strength and conditioning advice, all that sort of stuff, I was getting proper on it, and walking out there, I had my dad, my dad served in the military for 22 years, he came to watch me, my mum refused to watch me, she was like, I'm not watching you fight, I was like, it's, it's a charity match mum, it's not going to be too bad, and uh, she was like, no, I can't watch my baby getting punched in the face, I was like, okay, my, bro my brother came to watch me, so I had all my family there, my uh, wife's side. I ended up stopping the guy in the second round, which was pretty good by by a knockout, which I thought was incredible with 16 ounce gloves and headgear. I thought that was pretty good. But I remember walking out, my music coming on, and I was like, "I'm ready for this." And then I saw him come in. And I was like, "He's not ready for this. He's he's having it." So it's it's just it's just mad. I remember the first fight I had within the Air Force and I remember walking to the to the ring and my legs were just not there I was that nervous there's only about five yeah about 500 people there but that's quite big for just an amateur boxing match for, for the military my legs weren't there I was like I know I'm going to lose this as soon as I get trying to trying to box and move around a ring with your legs not working it's just not it's just not on you must, you must have had it when you've seen a a female come into the cage and just seen it in her eyes that she's not not ready for you. Yeah, there's definitely been been points whether it's it weigh-ins and I can see it like no, and like I'll turn to my coach like she's gonna lose. She already she just broke at weigh-ins. Yeah. Already done. And sometimes I'll be like, all right, cool. I think she's gonna be a little bit scrappy. And I see it as we're walking. And I'm like, they were looking at each other. I'm like, Dude, she won't make eye contact. This is it. And they're yeah. I look. I'm like, no, this is gonna be a good fight. She's not looking down. This we're gonna actually do this thing. Yeah, it's gonna be a good scrap that one. Or I see it walking into the cage. I see it backstage, or I see it across the cage just as we're about to go. And then other days where it's like she has no intention of losing this fight. It's gonna be a good one. Oh, that's good. Uh, they're they're the better type of fights, aren't they? When it's an an, an actual scrap, especially when you I find when you're watching it, you're like, ah, oh, this. Is a f I, I I can't lie. When I watch the the women fight, it's like. It's like they've got that little bit extra, like they want to prove that little bit more. It's like because they've been sort of, oh, you're just women fighting. We don't want to watch that. And now, and now the blokes are watching them, and they're like, "Fuck me! Look at these girls scrap. It's incredible." Like they, you wouldn't want to fight a woman. <laughs> Animals. <laughs> I think it's just like female pettiness. It's 
Uh, you know, a lot of women when they fight is hair pulling and eye gouging and things like that. So I think that self restraint of not enacting those yeah. kind of makes them put a little bit more fire yeah. in their punches and kicks in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So have you got? Who have you got on your radar, as it were? Or do you have any sort of... Um, uh, what is it? What was I trying to say then? It's gone out of my head. It's a good interview, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which uh, which organisations have been um, snapping you up? Uh, yeah, the great thing is, is all of them. All of them? The moment that the, yeah, that the PR release came out about the UFC oh, and how they released me in general... All the organizations started contacting my management and trying to negotiate a deal. And right now, what we're trying to figure out is not even financially how it's going to fit, who's going to pay the biggest. It's just a matter of who's going to be able to give me the most fights. Yeah, yeah. Is we were able to do, uh, I'm not sure, I don't recall which organization, but one of them offered a lot of money, but they're like, hey, the most we can get her is maybe two fights a year. I'm like, mm. that's, that's the same fight for the same getting now. Yeah. I want to be able to finish out these next few years maxing out as many fights as I could possibly handle as many as my body will let me and want to but doing one or two a year is, is not really important. so we're yeah. trying to find one that's not only going to have the fight frequency that I want but also an organization I connect with that I like there. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, the people that I saw day to day at the UFC I adore them, they're great people like Susie Freak and Reed Harris and a lot of other people I look forward to every time that, that I'm going to the UFC and I see them I want to be able to have that same enthusiasm not only yeah. the people that I'm having to, to do all these things behind the scenes. You've st- you still got to have that little bit of rapport with, with the management and yes. to, to, get, to get the, the, the best fights that you can get, not just always as many as you can get. You just want to get the, 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 the better fighters out there as well. Because obviously quite a few um, transition from the UFC seem to be going back or towards Bellator that's what it seems to be the the next benchmark, as it were. Um, so it'd be fucking brilliant to see you fighting the likes of Katz and Garno, maybe on a on Bellator. Yeah, I mean the only disadvantage of that is that Katz a one forty five or one thirty five, and truly I walk around under one forty five. So to do something like fighting one forty five just doesn't make any sense. I mean. Even at 135, I was significantly smaller than all my opponents. And it was a matter of like, hey, I want to fight the best in the world, then I'll, I'll do it in an inappropriate way because it doesn't make sense. But when we're going to be, if it was going to Bellator and I'm fighting up two weight classes, yeah. that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point. But, um, yeah, it just shows your versatility, though, that you can fight at several different weights. You can. That's, a, that's always good. But. It's also can be a bit of a hindrance, I guess, when they just phone you up and say, "Do you fancy fighting at this weight?" Uh, do I have to? <laughs> do I have to? Fi- do I have to fight this monster? <laughs> well, what's the matter of like at one forty-five? Those women are cutting down anywhere between one seventy yeah. and ninety down to forty-five. So, I mean, a weigh-in day, I look exactly how I do now. Yeah, that's- and I mean. When I'm in fight camp and I'm really pushing and have a good diet, training as much as I do, I struggle to stay 135. Yeah. So the idea of that, once I'm really on the grind, there's no way. I mean, I step on the scale, I'm like, sorry, 10 pounds lower than you. Like, just, it wouldn't be smart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a a mad thing, isn't it, weight cutting? I'm I'm glad that I'm, I don't have to, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a foodie. I, I eat everything in it. Everything and anything. Oh, that's ridiculous. Like like I said, when I was going through... I don't know what made me possess me to do the charity boxing match in the first place and then to actually go into a proper fight camp and cut weight. I was a grumpy bastard. All day. All day. What's the matter with you? Well, I'm hungry, ain't I? (laughs) I've just trained three times today. I'm just not grumpy if I can feed other people. I'm that weird sicko that's watching the Food Network on the spin bike. And like, <laughs> that's madness! And the weirdo, like, I go into the gym, one of the guys, he, he like, he's acting grumpy. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, I'm just hanging around, we haven't eaten. And I'm like, I got you. Give me five minutes, I'm going to go get you, come back with food for me. He's like, I can't eat all this. I'm like, gotcha. Let me smell it. It looks 
food. Are you liking it? It looks really good to me. Like, I'm that weird. Like, let me smell your food. Let me smell your breath. It's like you're getting the calories from just smelling it. <laughs> getting the fuel. <laughs> I, oh, I wish I could do that. I, I swear that I look at a milkshake or something and my ass jiggles for like a week. It's ridiculous. <laughs> which, which is quite funny, really. Because... Me, me and my brother, um, my brother is uh, usually my producer, but he's he's off doing whatever he's doing today. So I thought I'd do it on my own. But we are very similar. We're both pretty much the same height. There's four years between us, pretty much the same height. But he is tiny framed where I'm like a wardrobe. That's the only way I can describe myself is I'm a wardrobe. I'm a perfect square. It's, it's ridiculous. So he's what he's one that can eat whatever he wants and doesn't seem to put on any weight at all. I have a salad and I gain eight pounds. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, I eat. I train so that I can eat. It's like yeah, I stay in the gym to help out everybody else, but it's also that I can eat the disgusting food that I want to. Yeah, it's, that's your fuel at the end of the day, and you're a you're an athlete, so you need that. You need those good calories to get it in. Which. <laughs> Which is what everyone needs. That's a, that's the crazy thing. Everyone goes, well, I've got to go on a diet. Well, you could just burn off the food that you're eating. But <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. So do you, do you still keep in touch with the um, the Marine Corps people that you served with, that sort of thing? Yeah, there's a few people that, that I still keep in contact with. I'll see that they live in San Diego. Um, a lot of them... Uh, MOS that I that I had, I used to be an electrician on helicopters, and the helicopter that I particularly worked on was decommissioned during the B twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people change MOSs and gone elsewhere. So keeping track of them has just been been difficult. Other people, when they're in San Diego, or if I happen to go to the state that they're stationed, in, we'll link up and have have meals together and have a good time. Well, that's a, that's a, that's always good. We, I, I'm quite lucky in in that way that some of my closest friends actually live literally around the corner from me so i we all seem to leave at the same time we we jokingly call it the regiment graveyard down here because there's so many of us at the minute <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's a strange thing i i, I think with with uh, military and 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 veterans itself it seems that even if you don't speak to them for years and years and years you can go just straight back into exactly how you were and just, and, and a lot of people, like, in my regular human job that I do now, not just sitting, having chats with famous former UFC fighters, um, they, they don't seem to understand, like, my my dark sense of humour, my banter and things like that. They're like, I don't understand what you, what you mean. It's like, well, you wouldn't, because you're not a brother. You, <laughs> you didn't serve oh, yeah, with me. There are jokes that, that I would tell to a fellow Marine or anybody I know that's just a veteran for any of the services that I would never say to, like, a <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, ah, oh, it's okay, it just blew off the leg. You're like, what? Like, yeah. You thought it was funny? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's the big thing. that is, You have to have that sort of dark sense of humour, I feel, with the, with the military. And um, one, of, one of my close friends, um, he's actually coming on the show in January, um... He had both of his legs uh, blown off in an IED um, in our last tour of Afghanistan. And um, <laughs> the, his, I laugh now. His um, handle on um, on Instagram is Legless Robbo. And, <laughs> and uh, his charity is Team Legless, which is quite funny. And one of his... Um, uh, one of his leaving gifts that he got was, um, or, or I don't know if it was a leaving gift or if it was just a gift anyway, um, is from his favourite, you guys call it soccer. You guys call it soccer. I'm going to refer to it as football. Um, his favourite his favorite football team um, basically had a shirt made for him, but in, instead of having 11 for his number, it had like 11 and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Like, my wife's like, why are you finding that funny? I went, well, he's got no legs. She was like, yeah. And I went, well, you've got to laugh at it. You can't just feel sorry for him all the time. Oh, yeah. My son had seen uh, one of my buddies who, who's in a wheelchair. He doesn't have legs. 
And of course she's like, Mommy, he doesn't have legs. He goes, oh, where'd they go? Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm dying laughing. My son's confused. Like, do we go help him find his legs? Like, all right, how do I explain to a four-year-old? Like, no. All right. But you know, like Joke said, yeah, let's laugh about this. You can, in anything in life, is you can be, let it weigh you down. You can let it be difficult on yeah. you. You can emotionally just drag you through a loop. Or you can just laugh it off. Yeah, I mean, exactly. There are plenty of situations that anybody can say they have negative, and everybody's a matter of perspective. It's subjective to them. And they can laugh it off, or they can let it take its course and, and run them through. Yeah. Well, I, I find that when when I when I first started going through the, the problems I, I had mentally, I, was, I lost that little bit of myself where I would take the piss, because that's all I did. I used to take the piss out of everything. I'd... I'd I'd, I'd joke about everything and I'd be all sorts of sarcastic about everything. That had gone. I was just literally a, a just a, a grumpy, depressed bloke that was walking around the house feeling sorry for himself. And it, it wasn't until I had a, a conversation with one of my friends and then I had a further conversation with my brother and he was like, where's it gone? And I was like, what? And he went, why are you feeling sorry for yourself all the time? You need to dust yourself off and start finding that part of Tomo that has disappeared. I was like, yeah, you're right there. And when I actually started and, and thought about it, it was like, I can't just be depressed all the time. I've got to try and laugh it off, basically. And I, I find having a laugh and a giggle with, with friends and and literally just talking on here, on the, the reason why I started the podcast in the first place was to just talk, basically. And it's fucking helped me no end. Seriously, it's like having a conversation with yourself, someone who I have never met, and it's like it's like it's it's weird how you can just have a conversation with someone you've never met, and it just flows nicely. It's yeah, and it's like brilliant. So I think for every every veteran, it's just a matter of them connecting and finding what works for them. You know, for some people, it's the way that they come back to who they were, that they find some light through all the misery of their experiences. For some people, it's humor. Um, for me, it was working out and, and being able to get in there and hit stuff. That's what worked for me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Other people, like an axe-throwing place, you know, there's something that everybody has connected with. But for veterans, it's a matter of being able to see all this fog in front of them, step around it to go find that. Yeah. I think that that's a lot of the issue comes in is they just see the fog and they get stuck in them. They don't try and work through it. Yeah. Instead of realizing it's fog. Yeah, that's you exactly how I was. Here. Yeah. And and that's, but of course, that's that's people with, with mental illness, that's people, that's veterans that are going through everything that with their PTSD, physical and emotional injuries. And I think for everybody, it's just a matter of we get so caught up in something as simple as a fog in front of us and don't yeah. realize how easy it is to just walk through it. Exactly. you got to just... Sometimes you just gotta bite down and just smash through it, uh, and 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 get out of there. It's and it, I think a lot of veterans and I, I found that was one of my big things was you lose that that part of yourself that you've then lost your lack of purpose. Like I w- I was always Tomo who served in the military, and then I left, and it's like now what am I? And that that's that is the big struggle, and I've now found that a lot of uh, veterans that I speak to online, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, what have you, they've all seemed to have started a little community of veteran-run businesses and things like that, and it's and everyone seems to be within this support network, and it's like you'll put a little post up of something, and then everyone seems to start liking it, and then you're like, ah. Oh. And all of a sudden, you're starting to feel fucking happy about yourself again. It's like, oh, brilliant. Like, uh, a a, um, a veteran uh, hit me up the other day. He just said, do you mind just sharing on your story about about my new business? I was like, yeah, sure. What is what is your business, first of all, before I just start posting everything out there? And he literally, he's a, he's a carpenter. He's a... Um, and he does loads of stuff through woodwork. He mounts people's medals into nice little frames and all that sort of thing. And I think it's veteran wood or something like that. I'm sorry if I fucked that up, whatever the actual thing is. Um, I haven't, 
I'm, I'm terrible at keeping notes. That's usually my brother's job, but he's not here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like, fucking hell. So you've managed to find a new identity through playing with wood, basically. As, as mad as that sounds. <laughs> it's, uh, I just think the different... I, I, I think that um, within the veteran community, I think it must be similar in, in, in the fighters community, that it's, it's just one big happy family. You, you give each other... I've, I, I even put a post up about it, actually, uh, a few weeks ago, and it's... Um, they will call you every name under the sun to your face. They can call you a fucking idiot, part of my French, a cunt, anything like that. But as soon as someone says it behind your back, they're, they're, they're straight in there on them. And it's... I, I, fighters must be the same, you know what I mean? It's like, you can have... For my sins, I was in the Air Force, so we get we get shit from everyone. But as soon as someone... As soon as a civilian then has a go at you, they're like, well, who do you think you're talking to? He actually did some work. <laughs> it's, it's just... It's just finding communities that you can be a part of, I, I think. And, you know, I, I, I spoke to uh, Jack Shaw the other day, who he was saying that they've built an, a, a beautiful community around his, uh, his new gym. And it just seems to, they bring people in off the streets and what have you, and it changes their life around. And I, I think it's a brilliant brilliant thing I think I think fitness martial arts anything like that boxing I, I highly suggest it to anyone who's feeling down and out depressed anything like that oh no big time yeah I think that, um, that when it comes to the military when it comes to fighting it's an all consuming lifestyle the difference being like your 9 to 5 job is it's exactly that it's a 9 to 5 job yeah exactly you, know, you log in you log out you're done you know, you're pulling your punch card to do your hours, and when you go home at the end of the day, your work stays there. Well, when it comes to fighting, when it comes to the military, there is no off switch. If you have an off switch, that means that you're not performing the job the way that you're supposed to in either aspect, in either field. And that's what's different, is we get out, and that's our whole identity, is being being a military personnel, being a fighter. And then you get out, and you're like, well, this has been my whole identity, my <laughs> whole lifestyle. What do I do now? But I think that that's where the difficulty comes in. And part of the, the benefits that I found by transferring into fighting is exactly what you're talking about. Is you find other veterans, you find a community, and you basically make yourself your own little unit outside yeah. of the military. That helps you get together and you can connect with people that speak similar jargon, have similar experiences, Definitely. understand your dark sense of humor, and you can connect with and try new things and learn new things. 100%. 100%. That's... Well, people that listen to this... They need to. They need to listen to Liz more often. She knows her shit. <laughs> <laughs> you must be pretty switched on then. If you were a, uh, yeah, helico- hel- helicopter technician, right? Yep. Jesus, I, w- I was literally infantry. That was me. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. That time, uh, the MOSs were open. I remember going. Well, my recruiter was based out of Guam, and I was in Okinawa, Japan. And I had uh, contacted my recruiter, I think, via email, or I might have called him and just said, like, hey, you know, we're joining the Marine Corps. I'm interested in A, B, C, D, and D for MLS. And he's like, you know, that's great. You know, your ASVAB score, a lot of you can do any MLS you want. I'm like, yes! Awesome! Counterintelligence recon. Like, give me, give me, give me one of those. I want one of the awesome jobs. Yeah. Well, you can't. You're, okay, well, what about this one? Oh, you can't. You're a woman. I'm like, okay, why don't you just tell me the MLSs I can do yeah. as a woman? Oh, just these ones. I was like, oh, my that's not what I want. Yeah. And I specifically told my fine. Like, at this point, just give me a job that I'll always be traveling. Give me a job where just by doing it, I get a workout. And it keeps me busy and never lets me sit still. Just yeah. whatever it is, don't let it have anything to do with electricity. <laughs> <laughs> I got everything I asked for minus the electrical part. <laughs> yeah. Well, got most of it. Yeah, they've literally, um, I'm not sure... Um, if it's the same over there, but they've literally opened up every role now to uh, females within the British military. I don't know if it's the same over there. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, women haven't necessarily been able to succeed in going through all the schools, but they have opened up. Yeah, yeah. We have literally just had two 
females finally pass into the infantry. Um, I, th I think they've passed into the, the rifles regiment within the army, which, fair play to them. You know, it's like, you are the first two women to do it. You're now going to be forever in, in history. So, and, and fucking fair play to you. I know that there's been a number... Sorry, my fucking pillows are all falling apart. I know there's been a number of women trying out within my, my personal regiment, because my regiment was the first one to open up all jobs. Um, but nobody seems to have passed the infantry phase yet. I'm not sure if it's because of the the weight they're carrying, or if it's just the the, the mentality of the women trying to do it, or or what have you. But uh, like I, I've said it countless times on here, if they can do it without changing the rules too much within like weights and and what have you, if they can do it exactly the same as the men, fucking hats off to you. I absolutely agree. My fear when they started opening up all the MOS just to women is there was a discussion about lowering the standards to allow yeah. them to go in. I'm like, no, that's just ridiculous. If they can't meet this standard, it's standardized. Yeah, if they yeah. I mean, it's just not going to meet female. Now, here, at the end of the day, if they can't pick up a 50 cal rifle and their buddy can, then they shouldn't be in that MOS. It's that simple. If they can't exactly. perform the run, they can't do the pull ups, they have no business doing it. And I know that I definitely tried to go back in once I heard all the combat MOS because I was running to the recruiter like, please, let me back in. I would love to. Uh, and the Marine Corps just changed her tattoo policy. Oh, uh, really? And me to go back in, even though my tattoos had uh, already been signed off when I was in the Marine Corps. That's, that's it. That's a mad one. So yeah, and that one really blows my mind because to me, the Marines, the Marines were created out of a pub. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that seems like kind of where the Marine Corps is going right now is they want more PG versions of Marines. Yeah. They want an appearance that you can't have a PG Marine. That's. God, have they seen Full Metal Jacket? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've always found things like like tattoos and and what have you. I, I, I remember it would be the equivalent of a staff sergeant, I believe. Uh, possibly a little bit higher. It's a, we call him a flight sergeant. So basically, he's got three stripes and a crown. He's quite high up, almost a warrant officer. But anyway, okay. he. Um, we, I don't know if it's the same with you guys, but um, with the sideburns, you can't have them past past the middle of your ear. And he had these fucking ridiculous. We were on tour. Ridiculous sideburns, like he was in. Yeah, like chops, and they were like, "You're gonna have to bring your sideburns up," and he and he literally just went, "What part of my sideburns are gonna stop me from soldiering?" And they went, "Uh," and he, he, like, uh, and he went, "Exactly." So I'm gonna leave my sideburns where they are, and I think it's the same with tattoos. Yeah, if you're on parade, you shouldn't really be having tattoos all over your hands. But then, if you're on parade, then you wouldn't be getting those sort of tattoos. If you just want to be your bog standard rifleman, then you're not going to be in our version. You're not going to be going to visit the Queen with tattoos all over your hands. Yeah, and my whole thinking is just don't want to be offensive. Absolutely. Yeah. But if every other branch has tattoos and get them on their neck, but not the Marine Corps, that's it's not, not representing. You want to represent the highest standard, absolutely. But at the end of the day, if I have somebody that's, that's overweight and they can't make it to here to run, and I have tattoos and I can't, I mean, do you really think the tattoos are going to influence <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is... It's just... Cause I, remember, I remember going to the our, our uh, recruiters, and, and they were like, "Have you?" at the time I only had uh, one tattoo. It was on my in my shoulder blades. And they were like, have you got any tattoos? And I was like, yeah, I've got one. And they went, is it covered? Yeah, you can clearly see <laughs> that it's covered. And they were like, okay, well, you can go through this part of it. I was like, and I got onto onto the unit, and it's like everyone's covered in them. So why does it matter? It's like got them, they allowed them on their hands and all sorts. They were like, yeah. it's just bizarre. It just doesn't affect the way you you, you soldier. 
if you've got yeah. a tattoo. If anything, yeah. it makes you harder, I heard. It makes you stronger having tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. So what? So you're flying somewhere, did you say, Wednesday? Yeah, I'm going to head out to, uh, to, to Hawaii with Salima for the flight. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, we usually, as much as possible if we can, we're usually there to put each other on a main train. Yeah, 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 yeah. And fight camp, we're actually going out burning each other for fights. I mean, she was there at my... Yeah, I can't think of a fight she hasn't been cornering me at, and in turn, I try and go to as many... Oh, that, that's, as possible. that's, that's yeah, brilliant, so, that is, uh, isn't it? Yeah, gonna head out there and hopefully get to participate in the USO event, get to go out there, support the troops, this around, things like that. Oh, yeah, that's good. I, I did notice, actually, because you, you fought on the fight for troops, didn't you, for the UFC? Mm-hmm. Uh, against Alexis Davis, was it? Yes. See, like that, research. Um... <laughs> They they stopped doing it, haven't they? Uh, yeah, they stopped doing it. It's mad. It? Um, I want to say that it's just trying to get on base. I mean, even when we fought for that, being a, a veteran, I thought I'm like, oh yeah, getting back on base should be super easy for me. They're like, need this, 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 and a background check for this. I'm like, what? Oh, uh, is that is that? You, you know, I just got out of the Marine Corps like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that it was just really difficult. To, to try and get everybody authorized to be uh, on base. I, I can see why. That's what happened. Yeah, it's perhaps. <laughs> here's, a, here's a food for thought. Don't actually do it on the camp. Do it somewhere else, but do it for the troops that way. But yeah. it was. They were good shows. I remember watching them thinking, these are fucking brilliant. But uh, something uh, over here, they. I, as much as we love our military over here, there's still certain things that it's like they they get forgotten about, sort of thing. And it's like little events like I've seen before, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his, which is Ricky Gervais. Obviously, he's a a proud Englishman, but he's he's once done a, a charity show over in America for for the American troops, and I was like, are you going to do that over over here for? For us, or no? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I used to love watching those ones. You see, because you guys are so passionate. I fi- I feel for for your veterans and things like that is, and then seeing them all singing a national anthem, I was like, even though it's not my national anthem, I still get goosebumps. I'm like, ah, fucking, that's brilliant. I'd love to go and see that. It must be even better yeah, if I you're think, fighting on it. Yeah, I think for for the United States, Vietnam was a huge wake-up call for them, how they treated the military personnel. Yeah. I mean, the benefit that they had is through the years is now they have their children, Vietnam vets, now have their children that are joining the military. And they were able to treat them differently and understand what they were going to be coming back with. So I think because of that, it offered a different perspective in how we approach military active duty and veterans now. And the awareness has gone out there. But I absolutely agree with you. I don't see that in other countries. Yeah. I don't see the same support. I mean, there are people that I grew up with and had no idea that their parents had ever been in the military. There was nothing that suggested anywhere in their home. They never spoke of it. Nobody ever did. Yeah. And you find out, like, oh, yeah, and their brother's still in. I'm like, what? Yeah. How did I not know me? This I've done it for 10 years. Yeah. And it's just something that's not supported and it's not spoken about. Yeah. Well, we, I, I, I even find that in my own family. Like, my, uh, like I said, my dad, he did 22 years. He was a... Um, parachute jump instructor so I, I give him shit for that anyway because why would you want to jump out of a perfectly serviceable aeroplane <laughs> um, but he was he was attached to uh, special forces as their um, jump instructor so he, he did he did a fair bit my my granddad actually did a very similar job to you he was an aircraft technician during World War two and um, he also went out to Burma and places like that and he ended up getting a very um, distinguished medal he's got the British Embassy medal which is quite a, a high up one for valour I've asked my family what did he get it for nobody knows oh, wow. and I was like well, how do you not know because like, <laughs> unfortunately he passed away before I was born so I never met him um, but it's like how do we not know how he got it it's a, it's a medal for valour but nobody knows what for but yeah. 
my dad sort of has an inkling what he did. It was during um, um, a contact. Uh, he managed to get a helicopter up and running while it was being shot at, and, or something along those lines. Um, but try and go through military war records and things like that. They ask you to pay for it. I'm like, are you joking? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll find out at some point. <laughs> but at the minute, well, my bro- my brother is quite funny. He's like, why have you got granddad's medals? And I'm like, because I served in the military and you didn't, so I get to have them. <laughs> you so, appreciate the medals. Yeah, so they're they're now pride and place next to mine, uh, which is which is always nice. But yeah, definitely. It's a strange one because over here we have basically two days. We have Remembrance, which is on the 11th of November, which is pretty much worldwide, I think. I think yours is similar, your Memorial Day. Um, And then we have Armed Forces Day, which is around June time-ish. So we literally have two days for it. And other than that, it's like... Alright, you having a good day? Yeah, cheers. I, I actually felt really good. This remembrance there, had a few, um, a few beers with, with the lads. And then I went back to, I live in a little village, small little community. And I went to my local pub and uh, an old boy came and bought me a, because I was in my, um, my blazer with my medals on, my squadron badge, that sort of thing. And he was like, I just want to thank you for your service. And then he bought me a beer and I was like... That actually made me feel really good that someone has taken their time to come out and say say something like that. And then he bent down to my daughter and said, you want to be proud of your dad? And I was like, fucking hell. Getting all, get, getting all choked up. I was like, man up, man up. Come on. <laughs> Can't cry in the pub. <laughs> I, I, I think I feel the same way because they, they don't. There's a lot of places that won't, that still to this day don't acknowledge the efforts that our military do. Because at this point, I'm like I'm not sure, like for your country, but for us, if you go into the military, it's it's a choice. It's voluntary. Yeah, same here. That means it, it's not forced upon you. It's not because you turned 18, you had no choice. You're being drafted. The people that are going in are choosing to defend the country and yeah. choosing to support and help everyone. So to do anything less than to do your best to support them to me is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't get. It. Oh yeah, I don't get it. And there was there was uh, at one point. Um, we were, while I was still serving, it was, we were getting so much backlash from being out in Iraq and Afghanistan that when we were traveling home, um, from camp or or whatever, and we got public transport, they told us not to wear our uniform just in case it offended someone or, or, um, or you might get attacked and things like that. It's like, so I can't go on a train in my uniform to go home because I might offend someone. It's over over here. It's very much like that. At the minute, we're going through a bit of a transition. We've now got a new prime minister and things like that. So it's all the country's a bit doolally. Um, but there's there's always been that thing like, and unlike you guys over there, where you can have your flag outside the house on a flagpole. If we did that over there, we will offend a neighbour down the road. And it's like, you'll have the council coming over. Can you remove your flag? And it's like, how about I give you the finger? You are not. (laughs) The the only time you ever see any English or British flags flying uh, out of people's houses is during a World Cup. In in, in soccer or rugby. (laughs) Oh no problem, no problem. We can uh, we can close it there if you like. Okay, yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. I don't want your I don't want it just I don't want it just go swoop and it'll be like ah oh, brilliant. <laughs> but no, but seriously, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a it's been an honour and a privilege to have such a distinguished marine and MMA veteran now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so thank you very much for coming on, and you're welcome on any time if you've got fucking ten minutes spare. Any time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good job with you. Thank you. Have a good one. And you. So, Super Troopers. That was the one and only Liz Carmouche. 
coming at you hot on the Granite Zero podcast and a brilliant hour's worth of, of chatting. She has, she's fucking beautiful, beautiful um, person inside and just a, a fantastic person to chat to and I enjoyed every second of that. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I've been Tomo, that was Liz Carmouche. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for taking your time to recognise um, the podcast. And thank you very much for taking your time out of your day to listen to me talk and have um, these wonderful guests that I've had on. So, without further ado, I've been Tomo. This is the Granite Zero podcast. And I'm out. Thank you very much.